All right, and we're recording. All right, today on the Run the Riot podcast, as I said, we've got Sean Barnes and Nicole, his coach, and uh, I'm excited to hear uh, just all the the craziness, all the things that he he went through last year and what he's got going on this year. And so, so welcome, you guys. Oh, thanks, David. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, so um, so Sean, before we get into all of the the triple crown madness from last year, uh, I want to hear about your background, man, because it's always interesting. Um, you know, a lot of the people I've interviewed, a lot of them have like soccer backgrounds and other random things, but you've actually got a running background. Yeah, it's um, you know, a lot of people fall in love with running once. I had two opportunities to fall in love with running. Uh, I started running in high school. My uh, dad encouraged me to go out. I was pretty much your your average student um, just trying to get by. And, you know, when I went out for cross country in freshman year, it was, it really gave me identity, um, it gave me a group of friends that were really neat. Um, and it really became my, what I was known for. Um, right or wrong or different, I had a kind of view on that if I run a lot of miles, I'll get better. And yeah, yeah. I did. So for high school level, I, I think I averaged maybe around 70 miles a week. Um, much higher than most high school students would do. Um, the coach that we had at the time was a retired football player. And so he, his background wasn't running. He's just a really nice guy. You want to run well for him because he's such a nice guy. Yeah. Um, but that strategy did work. Um, you know, I was all state. Uh, I won the faster time in the state that year across all the divisions of schools. Uh, I think I... My high school time for two mile was 9:36, so not great, but you know it was it was competitive. Uh, and then you know it's like at you know when you think about all the things you go through in high school, it was really you know trying to become an adult. Um, it was running was my go-to thing to for life for my you know my answer to everything. Helped me got my first girlfriend. Uh, helped me got a date to the prom. Uh, helped me get in get into college. Uh, gave me a lot of opportunity. And so, um, nice. Nice. So, I mean, instilled in your work ethic, I mean, if you're doing 70 miles a week in high school, that's, that's pretty, pretty good. So, I, I, just, I truly enjoyed it. And so, and that kind of segue into college. I, I did run in college, um, University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, um, division one, uh, you know, very similar. Uh, I started off underclassmen, looking up to the upperclassmen, wanting to be like them, wanting to go to the big meets. Um, and so I, I really focused on, again, the mileage. And, you know, so my my high school career, I think uh, my fast fastest AK was a conference was 2454. Nice. Uh, um, my 10K time on track, that is, uh, it was... 31-13. So uh, that it was 31-13 for Division One is not the fastest, but it was um, for the conference. It was very competitive. And so yeah, that that and that's fast for me. So <laughs> that's re- that's really good. <laughs> nice, nice. So so um so you, you ran in high school. You ran in college. That was part of your identity, you know, and and you. You had sounds like you had an an amazing work ethic. You put the time in, and and it defined you. I mean, you the, you you kind of said that that was how you kind of defined yourself and how you you know your circle of friends. So what what happened after college? 
Well, it's strange. You think, you know, senior year, you're running these fast times. You're the captain of the cross-country team, captain of the track team. You, you should be pretty confident and, like, uh, in top of your game. But it was actually the opposite for me. Uh, you know, as a freshman and sophomore, underclassman, I always had someone else setting the pace. I always had someone else to look up to. But now when you were the upperclassman, you, for me at least, I was always looking over my shoulder at the underclassmen that was challenging for the p- top position of the team. Um, and also, I think at that time, you realize that you may not be able to run that way forever. Uh, mm-hmm. I was kind of spoiled in college. We had two practices a day, one in the morning, um, one in the afternoon. I mean, you can imagine, like, you get up, you run a group of guys of, you know, 10 to 15 guys every day, twice a day, you become like best friends. Um, it was a great college experience. In the weekends, you get to travel to all the big meets, Drake Relays, Florida State, um, you know, the conferences, compete in the, you know, Division One regional meets. So it's it was a great college experience. But uh, what I struggled with was that, you know, senior year now, you're realizing you have to go to the workforce. Um, I didn't know how to, tr- you know, segue from college running to something else. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they for Division One, they actually have you go through a program to learn to transition away from sports, really? um, the workforce, and you know, it wasn't too helpful. It was probably <laughs> more helpful. Uh, uh, they taught you like, well, there's other things out there. There's trail running. There's there's you can do good in a marathon. You can do other things. Um, there's other opportunities for running. Um, social media didn't exist back then, so you know every piece of information I got was just really hearsay. Mm-hmm. Um, most information I got was from Runner's World magazine, right? You know, so you didn't have the internet. You have a magazine that comes to your 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 dorm, and you flip through that and see the marathons, and that's about it. And so, mm-hmm. um, and, and also I was struggling from the standpoint when I was on the track. Uh, I weighed uh, roughly 132 pounds. Okay. For being a six foot guy, I was very very lean. Yeah. It is, you know, I, I maybe wanted to be someone different. You know, I wanted to look like everyone else. I wanted to have more muscle on. I wanted to have a little more weight. And, and so I attempted one marathon after college. Um, I struggled. I uh, went from a track season to right to a marathon. And it was a sunburst marathon down in Indiana. Um, I was was hard. Uh, I think I finished um, three hours and six minutes. I remember walking maybe like two miles in there just because I never really ran that long in one shot at that pace. And so. Wow. So, so you, I mean, so you're kind of at a point where you're just having to redefine yourself, you know, right? Oh, definitely. And, and at that point, I thought I would just get slower and slower and slower and, and not enjoy running as much because I didn't have that group of guys to run with twice a day. Didn't Everyone else was stopping running. That, that was their time of life over. Um, I didn't know anyone going on. So I kind of transitioned into the, the weight room, trying to be someone different. But yeah. the gym, five days a week, six days a week, lifted heavy weights and uh, hopefully to pack on muscle. And so that was, I kind of focused on for, for about, you know, over 20 years. Yeah. So you said, and you said you got up to from you said you were 130 something, and you got up to 220 pounds. Your 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 max weight from lifting. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. that's a whole. You did a Ryan Hall body transformation there. 
Well, you know, it's interesting that, you know, I thought that was what was going to make me happy of being strong, being a lot of weight, but it wasn't like all muscle, right? And there was okay. plenty of, uh, of fat there. And even though I was doing the protein shakes, I was, you know, eating the chicken, you know, uh, having the eggs in the morning, it was, um, I was a lot of muscle there, I can strong, but it wasn't like a really healthy lifestyle. Right. And, 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 and so you're transitioning from, from all that and you're going, you're going to work. I mean, you, so you went from, um, you know, from almost, you know, full-time student running and then you go to, you go to work, you're lifting. So things are totally different. So tell me about, you know, th this, this gap here and, and how did you find running again? Yeah. Well, right then social media was kind of coming out and a friend at the weight room said, ah, let's film a video of you benching. And in my head, I thought, this is going to be great. I'm going to be this really <laughs> strong guy picking up, you know, benching you know, sets at 315 pounds. And I remember looking at the video afterwards, and it was just, just I was laying down. And my, my shirt didn't really cover my stomach fully. Uh, I did 10 sets, uh, 10 reps at 315. That's and, pretty good. <laughs> and yeah. I, my face was bright red. And there was a guy with a bright red tomato face, no neck. And I thought to myself, you know, in my mind, I was still that slender guy. First, I almost didn't recognize. And at that point, I thought, maybe I should do something different. You know, it, and I actually can really, now I can really look back on all those years of being in the gym and regret it. Um, staying four walls day after day. Enjoying nature or being outside to hours and hours and hours of being in the gym. So, so that that sparked something in you, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so what did you what? Okay, so, so tell me about this. You know, what what was the first thing that got you, you know, starting to run again? What what did you do? Like, what did you eye? Did you start looking for something then? Or did you just say, I need to do cardio? Or yeah, so it was strange. I um, I went to, a, I heard about a group run at a running store in town. And they were going to do three miles. And I showed up. I was really nervous. I mean, even with that running background, I was nervous for three miles. I didn't know if I was going to be able to do it. Um, I bought the same shoes that I, was, I wore in college, Nike Pegasus. Uh, I bought the same watch that I used, I thought was still the best, was the uh, <laughs> Ironman uh, triathlon. Um, nice. And watch, so Timex. And I did not, could not run the three miles. I think I ran, or I struggled with it pretty, pretty heavily. Wow. And at that point, um, the person I was running with turned to me and said, do you know how much further we have to go? And I was trying to, you know, in college, we didn't have GPS watches. I was trying to figure out the pace I was at and figure out how many, how far we have to go. And she goes, your watches have GPS. And I realized things were different. You know, <laughs> things changed over the years since I ran in college. Uh, and, and actually, I met Nicole um, there. Um, and she was very helpful and answered a lot of the questions I had. And then I started thinking, you know, maybe I need a, a running coach. Maybe I could be like college again, have a running coach, have some goals, go after them, see what I can do. Um, so I started interviewing different running coaches. Hmm. And uh, it was interesting because there's a 
it was an eye-opening process. Um, I talked to three people, uh, and I realized that some had some very strong opinion, and they really wanted to talk about their rate running or their training, and mm -hmm. they didn't take time to ask me questions about what was my background, what things do I want to do, um, and Nicole did that. And mm -hmm. the pro I mean, I don't need a hard push to you know, run. I'm a pretty motivated person. Uh, but I needed some guidance, clearly guidance. And, uh, and so it was a good fit. So. Well, well, I just, uh, you know, I applaud you because that takes some, um, some humility from, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys will, um, still even, you know, with time passing, they'll say, yeah, I was a college runner, man. <laughs> you know, I ran in high school. I don't, I don't need a coach. I can, you know, I can do what I want, but you know, you sought out help. <laughs> and, <laughs> Enter. Oh, we got noise here. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, my husband's upstairs with a baby. Oh, okay, okay. It's, all right. it's all right. It's like we're hearing things. <laughs> okay, I'll just make it sure. But 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 uh, that that takes some some uh, just just some some humility and some um, I don't know just just intelligence and to say hey look I, I want to make sure I do this right because it sounds like you were carrying carrying around a lot of extra weight um, muscle and other. And, um, so you sought out and, and, and enter Nicole. <laughs> so, so Nicole, what's, what's your background and what was your first impression uh, of Sean? Um, so my background is I'm a full-time running coach. So I studied, um, exercise physiology at Marquette. Um, so I have my bachelor's in exercise phys and, um, I also have a big background in strength and conditioning as well. So running is definitely where all my, my clientele are, are at right now. And I do a lot of the, um, strength training behind it too. So making sure people actually do their core work and everything like that and everything, yeah. which is so important, which, um, We'll play in later to our conversation, I'm sure. Um, and so I started my business seven years ago, and it started as just a, uh, I was just a general personal trainer and just happened to run. And then it turned into a um, business as a running coach. So that was um, a really awesome surprise. And then uh, Sean, I remember he reached out to me, or I met him at a group run that he mentioned. And he, I think at the time I had run like, 20 marathons or something he said I just I can't imagine that and I remember that in my head and I think about that all the time as now Sean's doing all these in like tons of races and tons of different stuff and I'm like yeah he definitely surpassed me on those <laughs> so it's, it's kind of funny when he was like in I don't want to say like shock or awe but now it's like the opposite we're all like wow how is he doing all this so it's pretty funny well, well, what was the, I mean, so, uh, Sean, what, what was the first, um, I don't know, race or that you signed up for, or what is, what is the first thing that you guys agreed upon that you should work toward? I mean, um, how, how did that work? Yeah, it was it's strange that, uh, you know, at that time I didn't know ultra running existed. Um, okay. it was, I it was, of course the marathon distance was the longest distance I was aware of. And so, I mean, I heard some rumors, you know, about, Growing up, my parents used to talk about a 50-mile race near their cottage, but uh, pretty much the marathon distance was the distance that I was well aware of and I knew about the races. And so, of course, I wanted to qualify for Boston. And yeah. and so and it's interesting that here I was, you know, getting back into running, and I mentioned to Nicole, and she didn't laugh. You know, she didn't say, I, this is not going to happen, you're, you're – those years are gone. She said, you know, this is, we're going to have to work toward it. You know, we can do this. Uh, 
So, so how how old we we we've been talking generalities about, but how how old how old were you when you when you graduated college, and how old were you when you met Nicole and wanted to start running again? Right. So uh, I, I'm 48 years old. Okay. All right. So I got back into running in 2017. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah, that that's perspective right there, because I'm an old guy too. So you know, <laughs> nice. And you know, you know, one thing that I've um, you know, I, I realize is that um, I'm pretty driven. Um, I am very driven. And so uh, I can, I'm good at putting the miles in. I'm good at finding time of the day to put the miles in. I'm good at, you know, of, you know, devoting the weekends to for exercising. Um, but I'm not good at everything else, like the, the research, you know, planning, the logistics mm-hmm. of things. And that's where I, I really fear that really coach came into play. Um, and since the Nicole put together, you know, the, the workouts. And I remember looking at it and seeing like some really tough workouts, like two weeks ahead. And at the time thinking, there's no way I'll be able to do that. There's no way I can do it. But seeing it on the spreadsheet, right, you know, two weeks out, I have a chance to warm up to the idea. I think, yeah, maybe I can run, you know, 20 miles. Maybe I can do this workout. And so then finally, when it gets to that day, I'm kind of well prepared for it, right? And so then, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's great. You know, you get it done, you feel great about it, put your comments in the spreadsheet, and then you know, get that. Then you see the next workout, which is going to be a couple weeks away. That's going to be really hard. And so it's, um, but definitely um, it was this quick, you know, I think I, my first marathon back, I was pretty slow. It was like four hours and maybe 30 minutes. And it was just challenging. Um, yeah. And then the last one, I think it was at 3.16. And so. Nice. Nice, nice. So, uh, uh, Nicole, how did you structure, you know, with with where he was coming from? How did you structure his his um his training plans to to go back into into running and for for a marathon? I mean, that's a big distance to jump back into. Yeah. So actually, when Sean first started coaching, it was kind of interesting. He was doing he was more interested in some half marathons. Okay. So it was kind of um I was actually just cheated and looked back to his old stuff. So that's <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, that did happen. So um, early on, it was a lot of like just getting some base mileage in and then starting with some workouts and, you know, doing speed work and hill workouts and just kind of the classic, just regular distance running stuff. Not quite. We hadn't even he hadn't even learned of the trails yet. So it was just um, just hitting the pavement, sometimes on the treadmill, sometimes on tracks, all that kind of stuff. And just relearning how to do that because he had done it all already. So it's kind of nice. There are some people that I work with that I'll say, like, we're going to do 400 meter repeats. And people are like, what? No, I'm not. There's no way. (laughs) That sounds terrible. And I was like, "Okay, cool. Tell me the pace. I'll do it. So that was kind of nice. I didn't have to, like, sometimes I'll have to explain, like, okay, so 400 meters is one lap around the track, and 400 meters is also a quarter mile. So which, however you want to do that. And so Sean's like, okay, yeah, got it. So just how many of them? (laughs) So it was kind of funny to do that um, for someone who's already so experienced on the track and training in general. Um, So that was pretty easy. And then um, ramping up his mileage pretty obviously um, happened as he started going towards the marathons and doing more and more races. And it was kind of interesting. I was kind of waiting at some point for Sean to get burnt out. You know, he had done Mm -hmm. um, in the first like seven months, he had done, I don't know, like six half marathons and three or four marathons. And I was thinking like, any moment he's going to get burnt (laughs) out. 
Like, it's just, it's going to happen. And he kept looking at, like, well, I think I'm going to do this. I think, what do you think about this race? Can I do two marathons in a month? Can I do three marathons in a month? Can I do, it was just, how could I, how could he add more and more on? Um, so it was like, yeah, as long as, I mean, he stayed so injury-free. It was amazing. I don't think I've ever had a runner that has literally never had anything. <laughs> it was pretty impressive. <laughs> so from, from a work work ethic perspective and um, and and it, lack of injury perspective, he's like a coach's dream right here. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's like, oh, my God, I'd look at the spreadsheet and be like, he did all the workouts? Wow, no one ever does all the workouts. <laughs> well, uh, so so Sean, during all this, man, tell me tell me about um what's going on as far as your number one, your your mindset as you're as you're starting to tick these off, and and number two, what's going on with your body? Yeah, so you can imagine I'm I'm dropping weight, um, and I changed my diet around, uh, you know, little little changes made a huge difference, like giving yeah. up diet coke caused me to lose weight, which is, is, is interesting. Um, you know, I just, you know, the, putting the mileage on it's, uh, it's, I started feeling better about myself and now I got more and more excited about the sport, started falling in love with running again. Um, it was great with the social media aspect it, you know, running is, is great way. To, and social media is a great way to learn about other races, about what's out there, what other people are doing. And also Nicole was kind of, I was meeting her friends, you know, that, I um, mean, they're talking about their races and their runs. And at that time, I learned about a 50K. And I remember the first time hearing that, I thought, I bet that she means 5K. <laughs> and going back and then, like, you know, stalking her on, on Instagram, I realized, no, she was saying 50K. And then looking up the distance of that and it just blew my mind that there was distances longer than um, a marathon. And so I remember – so. The, Nicole and I, our first full year together was 2018, and source I had a one goal was to qualify for Boston. Uh, another goal was to run my first trail run, 50k. I'd be really concerned about that and the distance and like, can I do it or not in trails? Because some of the trails around Wisconsin are pretty challenging. And then I had this idea of doing John F. Kennedy 50 miler at the end of the year, mm-hmm. and so I thought that'll be a great year if I get all three of those goals in one year. And uh, so that was that was really 2018. I was focused on those three, and so nice, nice, and and so um, I'm look. I have your ultra sign up right here, and uh, looks like you, you you knocked it out, man. You got it done. Thanks. Yeah, and it's it was it was a, the journey was great. Um, it was interesting that I started meeting more and more people, um, other more groups, uh, to people to run with, and that was really beneficial. That kind of took the training to the early next level. Uh, I met a, a group in Wisconsin called Glacier Trail Runners. Um, they meet weekly um, to, for long distance runs on trails. They are very familiar with all the different trails and how they interact, inter- interconnect in Wisconsin. Um, that was very helpful. Um, and also I started getting, running those distances of 50K, run at 50 miler, and I started realizing there's other races, like a hundred miler out there that I could do. Um, and so that was really focused thinking like, could I really run a hundred miles? And that was the Heartland 100 at the end of the year. Um, and Nicole got me ready and we were fine tuning the, uh, the diet, fine tuning the, the, 
the supplements, uh, she just kind of discovered that gels didn't work for me for whatever reason. Um, mm -hmm. I like chewing. I um, shooting a gel and it didn't didn't work for my body. And we found that Snicker bars did work. Um, and <laughs> nice. so, yeah. And so I, I finished the Outlaw 100, um, 2018, I think 21 hours and like 16 minutes or so, roughly in there. That was my first 100 miler. And that was fairly challenging. Um, met a lot of great people. That's where I met uh, Jeremy um, Harrison. Um, got a chance to run with him. Um, got to meet a bunch of other Oklahoma runners. Um, yeah. So uh kind of a great way to end the year so yeah Harlan uh it looks like a beautiful race and that's I've raced in Kansas before that one's that one's on my list I, I, I somehow I'll fit it in at some point but um but yeah that's for your first hundred miler man that is that's tremendous time and all and so uh um tell me about um, okay, so you, you did the race, and, and I want to hear from a coach's perspective what you had planned, but also what was your recovery like for it, for your first 100-miler? Uh, the, re the recovery, it was interesting you said that, because uh, uh, I guess when you look back, uh, Nicole got me really focused and ready for the 100-miler race, and I was, I mean, I ran well, and I could I could probably even gone a lot faster. It's just like... Um, my confidence in myself was, wasn't fully there yet. Um, she had me read a book afterwards, um, uh, How Bad You Want It. Nicole, did I say that correctly? Is that the title of it? Yeah, how how Bad You cool. Want It. And pretty much um, a lot of training runs is not really getting you in better shape. It's all about training your mind, believing in yourself. And yeah. I just remember at um, Heartland thinking that, wow, I have like 10 miles to go. I should be tired, right? I should be exhausted you know i've not slept yet you know and and started walking and i didn't know why i started walking and i could have finished the last 10 miles but i started walking it was dark it was and and now i kind of regret that right i wish <laughs> i pushed on i wish i finished you know in 20 hours versus 21 hours and so yeah uh, recovery was my endorphin levels were i never experienced before that high really um uh, pretty high up there. I was feeling great. I haven't slept. Um, I was very proud of my buckle. I was, you know, I was, met some great people. I think I met Brian Carpenter there at that meet too. Um, yeah. and then I had this crazy idea to leave, go right to the airport and, um, see a friend in Boston. And I think, and I used that hundred mile race as a crutch. And it was unfortunately, I kind of used that as an excuse for everything I did that week. Uh, I can eat poorly because I just ran 100 miles. <laughs> I, can have another, I can have another cocktail because I just ran 100 miles. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't need to take care of my exercise again. I didn't need to run this week because I just ran 100 miles. And at the end of the week, my endorphins were not in sync. And I was pretty low. I mean, I was really depressed. Mm. And um, and it, it's, I realized I should focus also at the how to recover, and I was just too much focused only on the race. And so, yeah. Nicole, had you had you kind of set him up with some things to do after the race, or um... 
so my biggest thing after the race was I actually really wanted him to rest because I was afraid he was yeah. going to go right back into running the next day. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. I can, I can see that. as, as you can tell, he's a pretty determined and driven person. So I just said, like, try to rest, eat good foods, you, you know, take care of your body, do some sleep. And then he came back a week later, like, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He did the opposite. He did, whatever. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And, 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 uh, I think, I think part of that, I mean, it's kind of typical, you know, you, you, um, you justify a lot. And then, like you said, the endorphins, you, you, that's your, I mean, that's your goal. And at that time, that was your longest distance and you achieve it and you're like, yeah, I did that, you know, but then, you know, the whole what's next syndrome or, or like what, what now, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> I think it's pretty, it's super common for, I mean, anyone who's training for any of their big races, that it's such a big thing that happens afterwards, like the post-race funk of like, what am I doing with my life? I just yeah. accomplished my big, my big goal. I thought that that was everything. And now, now I did it. So yeah. now what? <laughs> yeah. Who am I? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well, so what did you do to get yourself uh, out of that funk, man? What, how did you, um, how did you kind of, you know, get your way out of there physically and, and mentally? Yeah. So it's interesting that um, I, I realized that I see it running has to be part of my daily life, you know, if I want to operate at that, at that level. And it is back to, you know, high school, I was high mileage, college was high mileage. And I realizing that that's worked well for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it made me happy as a person. And I felt like um, that was really enjoyable. Uh, so I just started putting the miles in and we were kicking around some ideas um, for the next year, 2019. And uh, one thing I did in 2018 was I went to a, a running camp, um, Trans Rockies. Uh, okay. They call it a um, summer camp for big kids. <laughs> and it's, a, it's actually a, a stage race. Um, uh, the stats, right. It's like six, um, six stages, roughly 120, uh, miles for that week. Um, Nicole got me in shape for it. You know, I was really comfortable at hundred miles a week. Um, I knew I was going to come finish it. And, but when I got to the camp, they have everyone from the elite runners that are, you know, professional all the way to someone who is going to thinking this is a once in a lifetime thing of trying to run 120 miles. So you have a, wide variety of runners and mm. you got to see some of the most beautiful places in Colorado. Um, Leadville, that was really the first time I ran there over a whole mm. pass. Um, Red Cliff, Vail, uh, we finished in Beaver Creek. Um, I met, uh, uh, I believe one of the runners you're doing the triple crown with, uh, Christine, uh, Fisher. Yeah. Yeah. There. She was volunteering. Um, and so I started, talking to a lot of the elite runners and I was just blown away with some of the stuff they were doing for workouts for mileage and what's possible they could do. And also they were talking about races and that's where I learned about Bigfoot, Bigfoot <laughs> 200. And I remember hearing that saying, wow, 200 miles. That's impossible. There's no way. And I remember going back to my tent and for whatever reason, I could not get internet connection until like midnight. And for I me, mean, just like the reception or for whatever it may be, I remember waiting up, getting the Internet connection, start reading about Bigfoot. And even though I had a race next morning um, for the state race <laughs> and just like was fascinated by it, the whole thing of, you know, 
where it was, the Pacific Northwest, um, fascinated by the uh, Mount St. Helen, pictures of this forest that were so different than Wisconsin that I thought, this, is this possible? Could I possibly do this? Um, and then, of course, we get, Nicole and I start tossing around the idea about the whole thing. And so, well, Nicole, what was your reaction when you first hear that uh, Sean wants to run 200 miles in the Pacific I'm Northwest? Like, oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, if anyone's going to do it, I mean, Sean. And then I remember looking into it and I was like, well, there's a triple crown. Why don't you just do the, the triple crown? <laughs> oh, so, so you're an enabler. That's, yeah. <laughs> I'm a supporter. <laughs> okay, supporter. So, okay. So, Sean, what was your max um, max mileage when you trained for your first 100-miler? What, what was your, your highest mileage week for that? Just curious. Uh, Maybe Trans-Rocky. So uh, even though it was a stage race, uh, I think it was around 120 miles uh, okay. that week, I may have done uh, a run when I got to the air, the Denver. So maybe slightly over 120, but around there. Um, okay. And that was, you know, I was running hard each day. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. definitely not easy runs. Um, and so. Gotcha. So, so um, he, he, he wants to run the 200 miler and you gotta, you gotta prep for that. Now, you know, I've, I've done the Tahoe 200 and my, you know, when you start doing some digging and discovering there's, there's not a whole lot of race plans out there for uh, running 200 miles, much less a triple crown. So how did, um, um, you know, how did you guys come together and Nicole, how did you, you know, w how did you come up with a, a plan for him to be able to do this? Yeah. So actually I reached out to a bunch of other coaches <laughs> yeah. hey, and I said, smart. Hey, uh, has anyone ever done this before? Like, I have no idea what to do. I was kind of at a loss. Um, you know, the hundred miler was at, seemed at that point, like pretty easy. Sean could put in 20 mile days and that was no problem. Um, but I'm like, at some point your body really breaks down quite a bit and your bone mineral density breaks down. Like we have to be pretty smart about this, make sure his body doesn't break down and, and get in the amount of mileage we need. So that was a, a pretty tricky thing. So I reached out to about like 10 other coaches that, or I reached out to the coaching resource that I had and about 10 people messaged me back said yep let's chat we talked all about different stuff people gave me their different strategies and whatnot and then Sean and I kind of talked like uh luckily he does a lot of travel for work so I said like okay so when can you get out to the mountains because we live in Wisconsin and elevation is nothing <laughs> like we don't have elevation so when can you get out to the mountains <laughs> yeah I'm in Oklahoma I can relate so, uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. so that was yeah, yeah. So that was a really, really big step. And luckily he was able to do that. So then that was a big thing of like, okay, get what you can in during the week. And then during the weekend, spend literally as much time as you can on your feet. So um, that was, a, that was a huge, huge thing. And luckily Sean was able to do. It. And the best part is like, he went out and um, I kind of mentally prepped him for like elevation changes and what to expect with your body and what you might like, might need to go through water faster, uh, calories, all that kind of stuff. And he comes back, he's like, I didn't feel anything. I didn't notice anything in the <laughs> elevation. I'm like, you're kidding me. <laughs> hey, like, some, some people just really, uh, you know, some people, would, it beats them up and some people just kind of float through it. And so he's, sounds like you're blessed, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I was like, all right, we're going to do this. <laughs> you're going to fit 
finish this. That was kind of, I think, I mean, I never had a doubt that he would finish or anything like that. But at the point when, like, he'd go through all these mountain races and not have a single problem, I'm like, oh, yeah. No yeah. problem. So I, I, I noticed, um, and and I'm guessing this was part of, part of your plan, Sean, um, you know, leading up to it, you've got, you, you planned some races in there as training. And, um, like you did one of them that I did before I did the Tahoe 200, I, the last call 50 miler. Uh, <laughs> I, I did that one in 2018 before the Tahoe 200 as, as training and elevation and all that. So, um, so is that kind of, that was your, your ultra sign up leading to that? Was that part of your plan to hit those, you know, big, big miles in the mountains as much as possible? Yeah, so it's, you know, it's interesting that, you know, I decided the Triple Crown was going to be my A race. Mm -hmm. um, that's going to be everything focused on that. And so I wasn't going to put a lot of emphasis or be disappointed if I can't finish uh, another race. So I did, like, pretty much, I was trying to figure out before this um, uh, this interview, is that how many runs I did, races I did in 2019. I figured out 14 or 15. Wow. So okay. um, it was a lot. You know, I started off with, Outlaw 100, didn't finish, DNF. Um, I think I was on 80 miles, and they so I dropped down to the 50-miler bracket because they didn't have 100K. Uh, then went to Screaming Monkey, finished, uh, dropped down to 100K there. Mm -hmm. uh, did the Pistol 100-miler. Uh, then in Wisconsin, hit the big ones, Ice Age 50-miler, Kettle 100, dropped down to 100K. But then we have a lot of um, we call fat asses mm -hmm. in Wisconsin in there they're very informal we get together you pretty much bring a dish to pass or is a few dollars for the, the hat or a donation um so i did a fair number of those um so the idea was not to taper for any races or to back down the mileage until the triple crown came along and so nice 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 so um so getting in you're getting in all this mileage now tell me about um because Nicole mentioned about, you know, your body breaking down. Um, I'm sure your diet was already pretty, pretty good, you know, from doing the hundreds. Did you make any other adjustments to how you were eating, how you were supplementing and, and, and all that? Yeah, actually, I still probably struggle with my diet the most. Um, running is easy. You know, I enjoy it so much. I listen to podcasts, listen to music. I, I enjoy the time alone, um, help relax. But you know, with traveling for work five days a week, it is tough. Um, yeah. You know, it's, you know, you can't always go to have sushi because you blow through your per diem very quickly. Uh, and so you typically to grab some unhealthy items. Um, but, I, you know, I think I still try to work on my diet as best as I can. If I can't get my mileage in fully that day, so I try to focus even more on the diet piece of it. And so... Gotcha. You give yourself a little more leeway when your mileage is high, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. So, um, so while you're, while you're training up to this, um, um, how, Nicole, how active are you in, you know, with all these races and he, you know, I, I, I had a coach a long time ago, uh, not that long ago, 2010, I think for my first marathon and, you know, I'd fill out the spreadsheet and here's what I got. And, you know, and, and, um, you know, she'd, she'd give me some, some info back. And so, um, you know, you're, you're just leading, leading him and guiding him along the way here. 
Uh, you know, for most of the, I feel like every time he hit the a first time distance, we would talk a lot about that one. Yeah. Or like leading yeah. into different. So like for the um, Heartland and Kansas, we talked a lot about that and different strategies and stuff like that. And kind of, I I think I had him read How Bad Do You Want It Again? Like, remember, it's all just mindset and, and all of that. Um, so we focused a lot anytime a new distance was coming on. But then a lot of the races that were leading to the triple crown like sean mentioned were training races so it was like okay let's get what you can and the goal of this is to you know get beat up on the mountains or the goal of this is to get to 50 miles in x amount of time or whatever so we'd have kind of different goals of the race and then it was yeah. like i guess yeah. i feel like continuing on go ahead but that um so that's kind of a lot of where most of my role played in a lot of it as like setting expectations and like kind of setting the ground because um most of the races anytime sean wanted to finish a race he did and anytime he was like i'm bored or eh, i just don't feel like going on he just didn't and so we as long as we set that kind of role ahead of time and kind of set the expectations he did like literally exactly to plan so i think there may be two times that didn't go exactly and he was like yeah i just got bored or <laughs> whatever i just wanted to go back and <laughs> yeah they were well, having more fun <laughs> well and when you're racing that much um you've got to be careful not to get out and race and injure yourself because the goal yeah. is always like you know that's that's kind of where i am this year the goal is a triple crown and and i want to i got i have races on the calendar but uh, you know at, at, at no point do i want to jeopardize the the big the big gold you know the big goal there <laughs> so um so uh, you know and that that's that's also real smart sean to be able to you know some of these either dnf or drop down you know instead of I don't know, you know, because because in our sport, you know, we value so much grit and and getting it all and and, oh. <laughs> but sometimes you got to be smart, you know, you you got to be smart. Yeah, it's about you know being smart. Is that I realized that I mentioned earlier that I can I was good at putting the mileage in, finding time within the week to get the miles in, but when you look at the triple crown, there's a lot of information out there. I mean, if you look at the running manuals, there's a lot of information there. These are in three different parts of the, the country. The, the, there's a lot of logistics around those, all those aspects of it. It takes a lot of work, right? You know, yeah. and I realized there's, because there's only so many hours in the week. I didn't have that time. And that's where kind of Nicole kind of came in. Uh, I think she knew more about the races than I did. I just had to really get there. And then um, she was responsible for figuring out how much sleep I need, you know, how many calories I can do, if I need to pick up the pace, how much time do I have um, in, in the bank? Um, I have to worry about, you know, a cutoff or anything. So it's it's it was it was very nice. Um, we each had our kind of our our, our role. And so yeah, nice. So so um, yeah, so prepping for for the Triple Crown, and I'm looking at it right now. I, when I did Tahoe, the logistics were kind of crazy, and my my wife came and crewed me. I didn't have any pacer or anything. Um, how did how did you go? You guys as a team go about doing this? And uh, Sean, you did you have uh, pacers? And how what did your crew look like? Tell me tell me a little bit about the the journey there. Oh yeah, so kind of I learned a lot. I think uh, Nicole tried to guide me as best as I could, but. Uh, because I, I was very stubborn in some areas. Uh, <laughs> she's nodding. She's nodding and smiling, bro. <laughs> so I kind of viewed it. I was going to do this one time, right? I, I was going to triple crown. It was going to happen in 2019. 
And if for some reason I was not going to finish, it's not going to, I was not going to attempt it again. Mm-hmm. Um, the expense is a lot. And so we kind of broke it apart thinking that the, the first one will be on me to get to the finish line. But the second one, I wanted all my friends to be there because I, I heard it was easy. You know, Tahoe is really easy to get in and out of. So I wanted, I don't really recall how many people we brought. Nicole, do you, do you recall yeah, that? Yeah, we, we had nine people. Nine nice. people. Yeah. So nine people. We rented a house. We had two, I think three cars. Um, it was a lot of fun. Right. And, uh, and they all, everyone paced. It was, it was really nice. Um, and so the third one, I, I knew that it was going to be, we really had to, you know, really focus on and be really tuned as a, a team. And so, um, there we had a, it was Nicole and her husband. It worked out very well. And so, um, and so they switched back and forth pacing me. And so. Nice. Nice. So, so tell me about, you know, the experience of running Bigfoot, running past a hundred miles and, and just, I don't know. Tell me, tell me how that felt. Tell me what it did to you. Yeah. So, um, first of all, Pacific Northwest is gorgeous. You know, everyone asks in the, you know, the social media, which race is the best? Um, they're all unique. They're all different. Yeah. Uh, I would say, my opinion, Bigfoot was the prettiest. Mm. Uh, everyone says it's Tahoe, but for me, I thought Tahoe is very built up. You know, there's there's hotels, there's amenities, there's restaurants. You know, there's re- ski resorts. I feel like Bigfoot, you're out with nature. I mean, you can go 20 miles and not seeing a house, a cottage, anything. Yeah. Um, you feel very remote. Um, I, I like that feeling a, a lot. Um, so, uh, got to Bigfoot. Um, it was at first it was not what I expected. Um, we were at the starting line, you know, you kind of look around, you see the runners were different. You know, if you, you're, you're at a 50 miler or a hundred miler, you look around, you see all different types of runners, right? All different type body types, all different type of, um, you know, gear they have on. But when it came down to like, you know, these 200 mile races, everyone's kind of very similar. You can tell they all have experience. They've all done 100 milers before. They've all know what they're doing. They're all tuned, ready to go. You know their equipment and gear and and uh, I felt like an average person, right, middle of the pack, right. Uh, and then when it started, it was it was di- very different. It was a Congo line of uh, at first, and I struggled with that. You know where you have a runner in front of you and behind you, and there's no room for to to move really. Um, but I did definitely loved uh, the Bigfoot race. Uh, you know, I think the the key there was focus on one aid station at a time. Don't try to focus on the the longer distance. Um, and and my mindset was 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 pretty focused on that. I was going to finish. Um, I know I in your podcast, Jeremy talked about you know to finish. There's three things, right? There's ability. There's your desire to. And it's problem solving. Mm-hmm. I think when it comes into these longer races, like 200 miles or longer, problem solving desire needs to maybe outweigh the ability piece of it. Mm-hmm. Because um, things will happen. Like we had a major <laughs> rainstorm the, the first night. Uh, uh, my drop bag wasn't there. My second drop bag was flooded uh, with water in it. And, you know, everything kind of was going wrong, right? But you got to figure your desire has to be there. Um, to yeah. keep keep going, and so 
Yeah. Well, uh, tell me about, um, you know, um, how did you plan as far as, because the aid stations are so far apart and your, um, your ability and, um, just your, um, getting nutrition in is, is huge during that. So, so what was your, what was your plan at, at the aid stations? How long did you spend on average there? What, what'd you eat? Yeah. So it's, I, I kind of like how they do it. Uh, how Candace does her aid stations. Um, they're roughly, let's say 20 miles apart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so many races, I'm going to pick on North face is they're a 50 mile race. They'll, they pretty much like handhold you, in my opinion, uh, to the finish line. They have an aid station every few miles you really don't need food every three few miles, right? right. You may want, and so 20 miles, to me, I felt that was the right amount of distance before an aid station came along. And I felt like you earned that aid station. So when you got to the aid station, I felt like it's okay to sit down. It's okay to um, ask for help. You know, let's get water or have a hamburger um, and take some moments to take care of your feet go through your drop bag, see if you want anything different. Um, and, and there was, there was no pressure then, you know, because you feel like you earned it. Like you enjoyed sitting down after the 20 miles, especially with a lot of birds. <laughs> yeah. So, I, th- I think I had planned, uh, uh, you know, I planned for like almost 30 minutes at every aid station and uh, I didn't quite, I didn't take that long every time, but it was nice. And boy, how those hamburgers were the, I don't know how they really tasted, but boy, they were really good. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was great. Um, yeah. So one thing is a huge difference between these 200, you know, uh, 200 mile versus a hundred or 50. It's that the food is, you know, you do definitely pay for that. It's, it's delicious. So they have grilling out. You can smell the food when you're like a mile away and it brings you right into the aid station. So, yeah. yeah. Well, how did you, uh, how did you plan your, uh, your sleep for, uh, let's say for Bigfoot, how, how much did you sleep? What was the plan for sleep? Well, it was interesting that, um, I kind of blew the sleep thing on Bigfoot. And, uh, and so Nicole was not there. So she came to the second race, um, Tahoe and she came to Moab and I just went in there thinking that I won't sleep, you know, and I would just get this done and, you know, you can go a hundred miles without sleep, no problem. And I said, well, this is my A race. I should be able to hang in there a little longer to finish this race. And, with, with little to no sleep. Well, I realized those miles became like junk miles. Um, I wasn't really making good progress on it yep. and I, I needed sleep. I mean, and near the end, every step, every little bit was so hard just to kind of stay awake and keep focused. Um, and so, and some of those, um, sleep stations, they're, they're a tent, right? They have a tent, they have air mattress in there. They give you a blanket to, you know, just, nap on but you know like some of the best sleep you're going to get is probably not at night because it's so cold mm-hmm. you may want to take those sleep hours or time um during the daytime and sleep on the trail maybe find uh, a place in the sun and just like nap there um i made the mistake of trying to use a couple of those sleep stations at night just to get some you know some sleep and it was so cold and i found myself just sitting there shivering and not actually really sleeping and so yeah 
Well, well, you also, if you don't sleep, like if you don't get ahead of your sleep, you end up adding mileage because all the weaving. Of- <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally true. It's uh, and it's hard to stay focused on your running. I found myself playing with my pack more. I found myself, you know, sitting more, and instead of making progress, I was just barely moving along, and so. So, so, so you, you kind of, your, your sleep plan went, you know, wasn't what it needed to be for Bigfoot. So for Tahoe, what, okay, Tahoe, and you've got your, your reinforcements and Nicole's there to, to, to keep you in check. And so what, what adjustments did you make, uh, for Tahoe? Yeah. So it was great <laughs> for the stamp. Um, uh, she determined how much sleep I needed. Good. And, you know, one thing that, um, it's worked for me, I realized that when you're out running, you may not be thinking clearly. You may not be thinking about, um, you know, how much calories you need, if you're drinking enough, if you're um, sleeping enough. And, and it's a lot to worry about. And so yeah. it's kind of nice to have someone else figure that all out. So when I came into a station, she would say, you're X number of hours ahead of cutoff. Um, you need how you're doing with water, you know, fill the water pack up. You need to, um, you're, you're getting two hours of sleep now. Um, your next pacer is this person and they will be ready to go. And, you know, everything from telling me the breakdown of the distance between the next aid station, next aid station is 18 miles away, this much vert you have ahead of you. And, but then you, you'll be at a sleep station and, or the next aid station, we won't be there because crew is not allowed. So we're going to see you in two aid stations. And, and I didn't have to worry about anything, all the, like the, The, the problem solving that, you know, that Jeremy talks about, it was kind of was on, on her. Um, I just had to keep on moving forward. <laughs> so. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's huge. And, and just that, that those little snippets of information kind of give you something to cling on to. Cause you know, 20 miles is a long way in the mountains and, and, and when you're not moving super fast and so kind of, you know, when you get halfway out there, that's, that's some good. Okay. Nicole said, yeah. <laughs> you know, when I get here, I can, I can sleep or, and, and so Nicole, from, from your perspective, how was, um, you know, how did, how did Sean look? How did you, how did you approach it from coaching him and, and try to guide him? And was he, cause, um, uh, my wife has interesting stories. Um, I want to hear, you know, did, did he get pretty out of his mind a little bit or something or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the best part is Sean, like when, if or when you meet him or anything, Sean's always got a smile. He's always happy. So you don't always know when there's something on, like going on. He hides so I'm like, Sean, how are you feeling? And he's like, my feet really hurt. And he's got a giant <laughs> smile. And you're like, okay. So it's a lot of reading in between the lines. And I was like, Sean, how much water do you have in your pack? He's like, oh, I, I am totally good. I'm like, well, that's not okay. You need to finish your pack and you need to refill. And he'd be like, oh, the next eight stations in 13 miles. I was like, right, but there's 10,000 feet of vertical. Like you, you have to fill up your pack. And so that was sometimes the debate of like, you know, you have to eat right now. You don't, I know you're not hungry, but you have to eat. Like, okay. So you just go along with the flow. And that was pretty funny. Or I'd say like, okay, you have 90 minutes to sleep. And he would say, okay. And I'd, you know, turn on the light in the car or the tent or anything. I'd say, okay, time to wake up. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he'd get in. So it was never like a fight. He just kind of listened. It, it was pretty, pretty awesome. Um, There are a couple times he got like a little 
little loopy out on the trails and that was pretty fun for us actually as pacers (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but no he was always fine or he did like uh there was one part like in the middle of the night that was my leg with him and in Tahoe they talk about all the bears that you're gonna like there's bears everywhere they're getting more friendly they are starting to like not be as afraid of humans so of course you're on like full watch for bears and a branch made a noise and he stood there for like 10 seconds and so then of course my heart dropped like oh my gosh we're gonna get eaten by bears (laughs) so we stood there for too long and I was like well there's literally nothing just keep moving he's like oh okay and that I mean I cannot tell you my stomach dropped so far into my or my heart dropped so far into my stomach because I thought my goodness I'm not I at least I cannot run Sean at this point so that's cool (laughs) (laughs) but I was thinking like oh no is this really how we're going down is my bears So it's not just him that got a little loopy, but at different times you can't see anything except for, you know, what's directly in yeah. front of your light. Well, that, that, it says a lot though. I mean, uh, that, that, you know, Sean was able to place his trust in you to where he's just like, okay, you know, and just, you know, because, um, you see, you see some runners out there that they'll be, you know, get irate or get kind of, um, negative and, and, uh, no, I don't want to do that. I know what I, you know, but just, to to be able to kind of turn that over to you and say, you know, yeah, help me, you know, and that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's cool. Yeah. You when really, oh, go ahead. Oh, say Davey, bring a great point. Cause you know, I always hear about a runner, like maybe arguing or getting a disagreement with their, the crew. Yeah. And and that's not helpful, right? Negative thoughts, um, you know, would just would, could sap your race, could en- yeah. energy level. It could could make you DNF very quickly. Um, and I think you know the key about finding your 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 crew is put one person in charge, mm-hmm. and and you got to have that person is responsible for getting everyone and make sure the alignment between every person and what their responsibility, what they're doing or not doing, and making sure that everything goes smoothly. Um, and the runner has to put your full trust in the, the you know, your coach or your crew member, because I remember coming in and thinking, oh, my feet hurts. Let's put a second pair of socks on. And the cold go, we're not doing that. And I remember thinking, okay, we're not doing that. Not thinking about why that is. I, it's weird. Months later, I thought, why did she tell me I couldn't put a second pair of socks on? <laughs> and you call her up, her, <laughs> you know, or um, or she would say, you're getting two hours and 30 minutes of sleep. And of course, at times you may want your body may want like feel like you want four or five hours. But I'm like, OK, it's two hours and 30 minutes. But she had a reason why behind it. And so you don't need to discuss everything. You just need to believe in someone. Right. And so, yeah. That, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's a huge, um, I don't know. It's a, that's good advice. That's really good advice right there. So, um, so you guys got to experience, uh, Tahoe together. You got to see him. Um, I didn't even ask you for Bigfoot, man. I need, when, I need to ask this because, um, when you finished Bigfoot, when you crossed the finish line, um, how did you feel? Well, it was pretty exciting because I feel like the, all my friends that were going to be at Tahoe, was counting on me to finish Bigfoot. <laughs> okay. Uh, so it, it is neat how Bigfoot finishes. You finish on road. Um, you've been 
out in the middle of nowhere for so long, and now you're getting toward this town. And it's a very small town, and he finished the last little bit, like 300 meters on a track, or maybe 400 meters all the way around the track. And it was pretty exciting. Um, they would cheer for you for the entire lap around the track. And I was, I was very ecstatic. I did it, you know, 206 miles, I believe it was. Yeah, um, yeah. And I remember, you know, you you start developing good relationships with the photographer, like how Howie Stern. It was you took a picture. Um, earlier and said you look really tired and i think i only had like maybe two hours and 50 minutes of sleep and it was not enough it was clearly not enough because i wasn't uh they're all junk miles at this point i was barely moving um you started knowing the the volunteers you you started developing a relationship with candace the race director um it was an amazing feeling and i just for having so many dnfs leading up to that race um having spent from June into August in Colorado, giving up pretty much my summer to focus on hiking and elevation gain and training. It was it felt great that I was finally, you know, across that finish line. And so, yeah. Well, how did uh, how did finishing Tahoe? How was that? Uh, you know, how did that feel? You got that's that's two down. So how, you know, yeah. tell me about your emotions there, man. Well, that, Tahoe was. Pretty special because, like I said, all my friends were there. I mean, each yeah. person had a impact in getting me there from um, running with me on when I was learning how to get, train, go back to running, um, first three-mile run to um, working at a running store to, you know, educating me what's out there. And so uh, it was great, great feeling. Uh, and it was neat. Nicole and I were coming down off the mountain and – and you can see the, it was, it was early, early morning, and you can see the lights of the ski resort, and you can hear this noise. And I remember she's saying, goes, you hear that? I'm like, yeah, that's the finish line. And and she goes, oh, those are your friends. They're waiting for you. And I remember, like, almost getting teary-eyed and, like, oh, this Ron, and even my feet were hurting. And it was a great feeling. It was amazing. And so very special. Oh, and so Yeah, nice, nice. Well, um yeah, and I, I, I'm, I'm getting a little. Uh, I, I feel you because I've been, I've been at that one. You know, I feel that. So anyway, that's cool. I know, I know that when you hear that sound and you're like, oh, what's that in my throat? It's a lump, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, all right. So you get two out of three down, and and you're, you're gonna go for, you know, do Moab now. Moab, you know, it's, it's less. Uh, it's 240 miles. It's not as much climbing and stuff, but it's, uh, it's you, you're adding some mileage there. So what kind of adjustments nicole did you see anything that you said okay we need to change this for the next you know for this last one you know after being there um you know what's interesting about the triple crown so it's different than i noticed as i was watching through all the aid stations you could tell who is a triple crown runner versus who is just doing the race as just a 200 miler not just a 200 miler but doing that single race um because the ones who were doing the triple crown were saving some and the tank through all the races. Everyone was kind of like, well, I just got to keep my feet as safe as I can, or I just have to, you know, do what I can to get through this race. And then it was so surreal being at Moab and being like, this is it. We don't have to leave anything on the line. Like we just have to finish now. This is kind of, it was so surreal. It was really, really nuts. Um, but 
the weather extremes were so crazy in Moab. And so that was kind of the biggest extreme um, because it would be like, I can't remember exactly, but it would get down to like the twenties at night. It was cold 20 degrees too, because you're in the desert and the mountains. And then at during the day, you'd get up to like 60 or 70 degrees and it'd be a hot 60 or 70 degrees because you're just getting roasted by the sun the entire time. So that was a really, really big change that we had um, that I think played a bigger role than we really had anticipated prior to being there. And then once we were there, we're like, oh, let's let's adapt for this, you know, figuring out how long you're going to be out for the runs for um, to the next aid station, figuring out um, what gear to carry was a big thing. I mean, at that point, um, I think the most tired thing about Sean was his back from carrying his pack and carrying jackets and all that kind of stuff. So it was like, how can we make sure it's as light as possible, but also make sure you're prepared for what's coming up because there's nothing worse than being cold or hot or any of those kind of things or, you know, carrying extra batteries is important, but also how to not carry too many batteries. And, and so, and of course, Sean had to carry all of his own stuff. I couldn't, you know, you can't mule. So trying to figure out that balance, it was kind of like a, game decision at every single aid station of like, well, okay, let's try this. And, and actually that played pretty heavily into the last, um, the last portion of Moab. So Sean ran that with my husband. And so it was only like 10 or 13 miles. So it wasn't, it wasn't that long in the relative scheme of things. And so we thought like, okay, well, based on all of this, you should be done by nightfall. And when I was watching their tracker for the first hour, they were going like at a slow to a moderate pace. And I was doing the math. I'm like, they're going to be out at nightfall. So I sent a text to my husband and I said, you have to get moving. Like if you, (laughs) you are going to get stuck out there. So my husband looks at Sean and goes, all right, Nicole says we got to go faster. And so they pick (laughs) up there. (laughs) So then from there, they ran the rest of it and like, I'm not kidding you. They were finished. Some of the miles were in like seven minute miles. I'm like, what the heck was that? Wow. <laughs> yeah. So all of a sudden they went from like a, I'm making up these numbers, but like an eight hour estimated finish for that leg to like a three and a half hour estimated. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm sprinting to the, you know, I'm driving from one aid station to the next trying to get there as fast as possible. So that was kind of some, some big changes that I think um, played a big role of, um, making sure you knew what was coming, planning ahead for how long things were going to take and planning ahead for, um, just all that kind of stuff per aid station. Yeah. Well, 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 Sean, one of the things that, that when I'm looking at, uh, when I did for Tahoe and I'm looking at doing this, the hard, one of the hard things is, is even when you have a crew, because you don't have them at every aid station, you know, you plan drop bags and stuff, but it, it, with this distance, you don't even know, you know, am I going to hit this at night and need coats or jackets huh. and lights or, or am I going to hit this during the day and need to, you know, it's so hard to, to plan that, you know, did oh. you find, did you find that? <laughs> yeah, it, it sure is. You, you really don't know when you're going to have night and when you have day. It's like, you know, with all this elevation change, um, it's very, very difficult. Um, I didn't use a lot of drop bags. The only ones I used was the ones that moved. Um, and so I did find it that one thing that worked for me was, um, I actually went out and bought those big, large Ziploc bags. that are like 18 inches tall. Um, and you can write on it on a permanent marker. And I I told myself that 
you know, you list the, the, the A station the drop bag goes to, and you can list the second one where it moves to. And so that drop bag becomes like two drop bags, mm-hmm. um, very important. And so uh, um, one thing I've told myself to do, every time I get to A station with that drop bag, look through it, even though I don't need anything or want anything. Because, you know, just seeing the object that, you go, oh, yeah, I should grab this or I may want this extra jacket. Um, it, it, was, it was very helpful. And so mm, that's, good. that's good. Yeah. One thing I did find that was used to having the drop bag is these you know, these big wet wipes. They're very large, almost as big as a towel. Um, put one of those in there and every drop bag because, you know, you're going to start smelling <laughs> uh, from all your runs. If you use those wet towels very cheekily, um, start with your face, your hands, and then work over part of your body, it's almost like a shower. And yeah. it makes you feel alive again. It makes you feel like human again. Brush your teeth, you know, and then get back out there. And so it was nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's that that's a good point because uh yeah, it does make you it kind of gives you that little extra oomph, you know, that you know, and then it's always nice not to smell yourself. So <laughs> Yeah, throw deodorant in that in that drop bag too. So uh, yeah. there you go. Uh, yeah, one thing that happened in the uh Moab that I didn't anticipate was even the food was delicious, I mean for all these races, my body started rejecting their food. Really? For whatever reason, I could not eat any more hamburgers. I could not eat any more um, egg uh, burritos. I could not eat any more um, M&Ms. I did not like it, and my body just didn't enjoy it, so I would skip eating. So that's where crew comes in play, right? They save the day. And so I remember uh, Nicole brought um, quesadillas, Mm. and that was like the perfect thing. That made me feel alive again. Um, Another time they had... uh, pizza and that was exactly what i needed and so it was perfect nice nice well so you 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 get through moab through the 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 heat the cold uh and then nicole makes you run the last 13 miles (laughs) and then and uh so so this finish line is the culmination of 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 an amazing, amazing feat how did this one feel compared to the other two oh yeah it's weird uh I've told Nicole this before. I felt like when Moab came along, we were so in sync with everything we did. Um, I, I mean, I trusted her. Uh, I knew we were going to finish. Um, even when we started, I mean, I I was pre- went into Moab pretty beat up. Um, I had an issue um, that my feet were really hurting. Um, Brian Wilford, who's one of the medics, uh, was taking my shoe off. I actually fainted at Moab, got sick, threw up. Um, and, and I knew that, um, I was pretty beat up, but I knew though, because of the crew, because of, you know, all our, our plan, I'm still going to make, it. I'm still going to get to the, the finish line. Um, so coming in, it, it was an amazing feeling. Uh, you know, I was amazed how many people were fascinated by the triple crown. You know, I was doing this for myself. I was doing this because I, I wanted to do it, you know, but at the same time, my parents really got involved following those trackers, the family and my sister, um, co-workers, you know, friends. And and it is interesting that, you know, I was the first person from Wisconsin to finish the Triple Crown. Now there's like three people are doing the Triple Crown this coming year. Nice. Um, 2020. And it's exciting, right? And um, 
it's just, you know, a lot of my, my runner friends are now doing 100 mile races that they have not done before, all because of they were motivated. And so, um, it's great. So, the mate was amazing. Um, I, I felt like uh, I had a lot of people and a lot of support and a lot of people excited for me. So, great. Well, how, how was your, um, when you, between each one of them and, and even after, you're done with all three of them. What did you, what was your focus on as far as, as recovery? Did you, um, hopefully you learned, learned your lesson, ate, ate healthier. And, uh, but did you do massage? Did you do, you know, what kind of, what did you do after? So it was interesting that, um, so leading up to Bigfoot, um, I pretty much spent a lot of time in Colorado. I I hung out at Leadville. Um, Leadville is at what, 10,000 feet. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I camped there at um, Sugarloafen, um, and then I pretty much did different trails each day. And and between the races, I, I tried to kind of go back to that, right? You know, um, hang out in the elevation, go hiking every day. Um, then I started falling in love with Breckenridge. <laughs> so uh, right leading up to Moab, I, I was there for a couple of weeks, um, pretty much hiking. And so... Uh, it was, it was interesting because you feel strange. You did the 200 miles, you you ran, you hiked, but afterwards you're really beat up. So you're not doing anything. You're not really running. Even hiking is, is painful and sore. Um, and you feel like you should be doing something. And you almost <laughs> wish to have the race start earlier, you know, versus three and a half weeks later. So. Yeah, it's that balance, uh, and and you know I'm asking because because you know you, you you have to recover, but you also still have another race to get ready for in between those, you know, and so it's like the runner brain's like I gotta get ready, but then you know, but I also have to relax, you know, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's actually I found it really hard the time period between the races um, yeah. because you can't really go back to train like how you were before. Um, you're still recovering. Your feet are pretty beat up. Uh, one thing I, my mistake is I didn't use gaiters. Um, so like in Bigfoot, there was a lot of ash from the, um, of course, volcano. And that stuff gets into your, 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 your feet and those small problems turns into big problems very quickly. And so, um, so same thing at uh, Tahoe, you know, the Rubicon Trail, a lot of dirt, a lot of dust all those big jeeps coming there and that stuff all got in my my shoes and socks and uh so definitely have a lot of socks in your drop bags and you're talking about you know what do you do at the aid station is work taking your socks off inspecting your feet clean your feet every time because uh yeah definitely take care of them so yeah man so so you got that that you know huge thing done you take some time to 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 rest how how quick after that did you decide on um, some of the things? I want to talk about what you've got planned next, but <laughs> how long did you just take after that and just kind of sit back and take it in? Well, it, it didn't. It's interesting that it was. I feel like I got a lot of attention, a lot of you know. I became close friends with so many people. There's a saying that um, you run a hundred miles with someone, you're friends for life, and I, I truly believe that. You know, when you're spending that much time with someone. Um, you learn a lot about them. You discuss everything. Uh, you're not making small talk. You're having some deep conversations. Um, it was pretty exciting. Um, you know, Brian Carpenter, um, one of your guests, you know, a lot of his 
friends and followers on his uh, Facebook groups got really supportive, sent me positive messages. Um, uh, they, they had a Sean Barnes sighting, you know, different things. Uh, <laughs> even changed their one of their pictures for to me, and which is it was it just felt great. Um, but afterwards, um, you kind of wonder like, what's next? You know, what do you want to do? I mean, how? You can't imagine going back to 50k or going back to a 50 miler after doing something like this. It doesn't seem as meaningful. And so I kind of struggled for a while. And so yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I'm sure everybody wants to know because you got you had to put something on the calendar. What's what's next? Yeah. So I guess my um, a race um, for 2020 is California Untamed. Yes. Um, I know you had that race director on. It, it was a great interview, and uh, so I'm very excited. Um, partnering up with Nicole again, uh, just because she, we are we're definitely in sync of how to do that. Uh, so she needs to figure out how to get me to the finish line, and right now I'm just going to focus on the training aspect of it. <laughs> so. Nice, nice. Yeah, and it's so it's a whole other, um, uh, you know, just adding adding some distance to it, you know. And it sounds like um, some of the preparation will be pretty similar to the 200 milers with the distance between aid stations and and those logistics and all. It just kind of ups the ante a little bit. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's interesting because you know the first year, you know, there's a lot more aid stations um, than maybe there's 200 milers. Um, there's not moving drop bags, so there's differences, right? Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Well, and and so uh, is there anything uh, anything that you know you're gonna have to do different? I mean, besides drop bag things, or is there anything that that um, you know after kind of looking at it, you still got a little time, but uh, you know that you know you're gonna have to focus on because of the the distance or some, you know the way this race is laid out differently. Well, it's. Actually, this year I feel like I'm, I'm maybe I'm believing in myself more. I've no now I've been back to running for you know two years or you know going on two and a half now. Um, I feel like I'm in better in shape. You know, I think I have more experience back on um, the distance and um, my weekly mileage. Last week I had a 100 mile week. I've been averaging about 80 miles a week this year. Um, became a big fan of Strava. Strava. <laughs> This year, for the first time, um, really enjoying that. So, um, uh, to really answer your question, I, I don't know. Nicole, what do you think? What's different? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, the biggest thing is actually pretty awesome because since um, for the Triple Crown, you know, you finish with 240 plus miles, or I mean, 640 plus miles over the the time frame, and so now somehow doing 300. 330 seems totally doable which is kind of ridiculous <laughs> um but also it's really nice because it's just going to be a constant we don't have to worry about okay we'll save your feet for this race or we'll save you for this one this one is just about finishing like it's going to be kind of nice we'll be able to play it segment by segment but it won't necessarily be um 
okay, well, let's just get to the finish line this race and we're going to put all our, our focus on the next race or anything. So it's going to be a little bit more focused in that sense, which I think can be both good and bad because if you have, um, you know, a race seg- or a segment or portion that doesn't go as well, then it's a little more scary. Um, a lot more pressure on one race versus spreading it out over three. Um, and also I think it's just going to be a totally different, I mean, every single race of the triple crown was a completely different race. I mean, there were some consistencies of what was to expect at every aid station, but beyond that, the trains were insanely different. The weather conditions were different. Everything was, was totally new. And that's going to be pretty similar to what we see at Untamed. And especially, uh, one thing that'll, that, I think we really took for granted with the Triple Crown is there were so many amazing resources of, hey, um, do we need to worry about anything in particular bug-wise in Tahoe? And then everyone would answer and say, no, no, we never saw anything in this. And California Untamed, like, no idea. No one's been there. I mean, just the race director has done the race. So it's going to be a lot of uncharted territory. I think that's going to be really pretty cool in a lot of ways to be the first ones to set on that trail and to be kind of the the ones being the informants for future races. But we won't have that um, nice little safety net of, hey, are there any poisonous bugs? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, um, yeah, that's that's gonna be that's gonna be huge. Um, you know, be, being ready for the unknown. You know. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's awesome. Well, um, so uh, I, I need to ask this one other thing about because uh, you're you're putting in pretty good pretty good miles, Sean. And um, so what what um what kind of cross training do you have him doing? <laughs> and 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 does he do it like he's supposed to? <laughs> Uh, well, I have him do, I have a lot of core work in there and I think leading up to the hundred mile race, I don't think that Sean really, uh, Sean, you can let me know if you feel differently, but I don't think he put a lot of value in it. And then um, he was really sore after one of the races. And someone said, well, like, what kind of core work are you doing? And he said, oh, I never get to that on the plan. <laughs> well, it, it's strange. Like, uh, Nicole will have it on the plan. And for whatever reason, I had this attitude that, okay, I have to run my miles, the workout, and then I have to then do my strength or core immediately afterwards. It doesn't have to be that way, right? You know, um, it's okay to, like, Go on with your day and then maybe right before bed, you know, not even change clothes. You could probably, you don't even break a sweat for doing core sometimes. You do, do it right then. Um, it doesn't take long, but it's for, for whatever reason, I was stuck in the habit of thinking that I had to do it right after the run. And usually I'm exhausted and tired and need to get on with to work or whatever I may need to do. And so, yeah, that's one change I, I made this year um, is that I'm really focused on. Besides the workout, the quality of the miles, the speed, um, the strength training. Uh, I used to be a gym snob for all those years at the gym. Had to be a, had, need a full gym, but now just at a hotel gym at a Holiday not Holiday Inn, but a Hampton Inn, where you may have dumbbells of 10, 20, 30 pounds, and that's it. That's good enough. It's better than nothing. And so yeah. Well, just curious, man. Uh, you know, having weighed, you know, your weight varied so much. What are you weighing right now? Now that you started running again. Uh, 165. So. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So. 
lean, lean, mean running machine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, man, uh, I'm trying to think what, what else, what else would you throw out there for anybody who's planning the triple crown like me and Jeremy and Christine, um, that you, you guys have given us a lot. I mean, that's a lot of good information, a lot of things to take in. Is there anything, you know, that, that we hadn't talked about that you would say, Hey, don't forget this. Yeah. So (laughs) great point. Uh, I would think that how much your feet can swell um, is interesting that my I had running 100 miles on, you know, size 10 and a half shoes. Um, and when we got to Tahoe, my feet were hurting so bad and I really needed a 11 and a half or 12 size wow. shoe. There was that much swelling in my feet. And it, it Moab, as soon as we got to the bigger sizes and we had, you know, kind of variety of shoes, it, it, it was so much better, you know. So swelling the feet is, is pretty big. And if you sleep, you know, that could – your swelling could increase from that. Um, one thing that was heaven, um, pure heaven in Moab and Tahoe is that we had a, a car. Uh, you can – those, those sleep stations are not always warm. It's not always noisy. There is, it is hard to sleep there. So if you can have a car and again, one time in Tahoe was downpouring rain really hard. The aid station was pretty much flooded. There's no room in there. And right then the crew, here comes the crew. They pulled up right next to the aid station. They had a little bed made in the back seat of the car with a pillow and we just, enough you know 30 minute nap that's all you really need and it just felt great in moab we stepped it up got a bigger suv that could actually lay down in the back of it and uh definitely that's going to be a key (laughs) for uh california untamed but um if you can get a bigger car that'll be extremely helpful and so nice Nice. Good stuff. Good. My advice would be um, get yourself uncomfortable during training. So have some nights where you go and do some training runs, you go camping, you do whatever. Be used to being uncomfortable, not having all the luxuries and kind of ready for all that. Like um, that was something Sean did one weekend. I think he rented a, a truck, went to a mountain in Colorado uh, ran as far as he could that day, slept in the back of his truck, then continued to hike, then went back and slept. Like all that just really adds to it. Um, I mean, you can put in all the mileage that you want to and a lot of running and everything, but also making sure you're spending a decent amount of time hiking is really huge too, because there are times when you just, your body won't let you continue running. Like you're just so exhausted. So, um, I think that that really helped. And then, um, just being used to being uncomfortable, not having all the luxuries, not having everything at your disposal when you wanted it was, I think, um, something that was, that was huge. That really helped Sean kind of just take it by the horns and go. Nice. nice. Well, well, Sean, before we go through the the list, I always do and ask you about your, your, your equipment and you, and your gear. I want to, this, okay. What you've done here, you did, you did the triple crown and, um, did this huge task. How has this affected your, your mentality in, in life, you know, to know that you can train for this and you can accomplish something like this? Yeah. So before I read, before this year, um, I was, I have a very demanding job. I'm on the road, you know, five, six days a week. Uh, you could easily work around the clock for my job, uh, is, is extremely stressful. And, I didn't realize how unhappy I was. 
Um, I could say at, you know, 48 years old last year was the best year of my adult life. It, it really was. I had the most experiences. I have more friends now than ever before. I'm in a great place in life. I'm very happy. And I didn't realize um, how I was just in a rut pretty much with life. And uh, so it's um, wonderful. So it's really changed my outlook in life. Um, it's, it's really it's put me in a better place as a person, happier. And so um, uh, it I pretty, pretty amazing. And so. That's that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, we definitely look forward to to just seeing you continue the journey. I mean, you know, you're just a few years into it and and gonna keep on trucking. So we're looking forward to it. Well, before before we get off, um, let's talk about equipment real quick, man. Um, what sh- what shoes are you wearing out on the trails? Uh, Ultra Tim. It's probably I like the bigger toe box a, a lot. Um, I actually, I picked up a new pair for this coming weekend for the Outlaw 100. Uh, you know, one thing about the Outlaw 100, there's so much rock and uh, you're on your toes and you're, it's not it's not a trail, really. It's like, you know, Leadville is a truly a trail. You can run the whole thing if you wanted to. Outlaw, I would say vast majority you can't run because of the rocks. You need to bend your toe a lot. And so that shoe just works great for me. Um, I do like for the winter ultras I got into this year, you know, pulling a sled and all that. I like the um, Hoka Speedgoat for the, the waterproof. Um, seems to work well. And so nice. um, those are two my two go-to shoes. Nice, nice. Um, and you're not still using your Iron Man watch. What are you using for GPS now? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's uh, it's actually kind of funny. Since I'm really into Strava right now. I'm embarrassed to say it was not, does not have Bluetooth on it. So I have to do manual entries for a lot of my Strava entries. Or I have to carry my phone along. So um, I'm definitely in the market for a new watch. So I'm not going to say what I'm wearing right now. <laughs> nice. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> um, so uh, what are you doing? What What did you What worked for you as far as your uh, lights at night? Did you wear a headlamp, waist lamp? What do you like? I, I do like headlamps. Um, I do uh, with a Princeton Tech Apex, which is a uh, more of a stronger headlamp. Um, four batteries. It's supposed to last like 150 hours. I've never seen it last that long before. Um, typically, I was changing batteries every night. Uh, keep the high beam on. I, I kind of enjoy the night because a lot of the races, I, I, I kind of break in segments. Like I have a, if a hundred mile race. I have daytime. I have night, and then I have morning, and then I'm done. Um, so you know, some of the trend is right is some of these really bright lights that turns night into day and eliminates all shadow. I kind of enjoy the peaceful darkness. Um, so I think the, um, the strength of maybe around, uh, 500, um, uh, is probably the right for me. And so, yeah. yeah. Nice, nice. Nice. What are you doing for, uh, electrolytes? What, what do you take for that? Oh, I, I've been just doing real food. Um, really? It's like, yeah, it's uh, a not no sport drinks or anything. I did the whole triple crown on water. Okay. Uh, I really um, no I, salt tablets or anything like that when it gets hot. Uh, occasionally a salt tablet. Um, okay. But but I, I don't have a. It's never been really an issue for me. And so. Nice. And so that was the next nutrition, and and you answered that earlier. You try mostly real food, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting that uh, I fell in love with those spring energy 
gels um, on the first Bigfoot race. And it was sort of different. I never had it before, right? It was all natural. Um, and then I just, over time, I back, I like maybe like chewing too much. You know, I like, you know, chewing on something. So if it's a piece of meat, piece of pizza, whatever it may be, I, I find like, I find eating is my relaxation. So I love leaving the aid station or with something in my hand and someone chew on for a little bit, you know? Yeah. I used, uh, I just tried the spring energy. That's, that's what I used when I did the, uh, the treadmill challenge. Yeah, that's what I, I, like I ate that. a whole bunch of those things, man. I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, is there anything else that you found that really works for you that you, you want to share? Uh, any, uh, what do you use it for a pack? I didn't ask your pack. Oh, um, Solomon, uh, trailblazer is a larger pack. Um, so the winter ultra, they need to bring a lot of equipment in it. Of course, the a mandatory gear for the triple crown had a lot. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to use this weekend at Outlaw 100. Um, of course, a lot smaller pack than that. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. All right. Well, well, guys, I appreciate very much you taking your time and uh, just sharing your experience, your knowledge. Um, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, ex- I'm, you know, I'm, I've been excited, but uh, just get me more excited to, to, to kind of walk that journey and, uh, I don't know, take the information y- y'all have given and uh, try to try to use it and not do something stupid and fall off a mountain or something, you know. <laughs> well, I'm David. I'm excited for your journey because uh, uh, it'll be see, it'll be fun to see because you're extremely fast. So we, I'm sure you do well. So. Well, it, it'll, it'll be fun, but, uh, really, really appreciate you guys and, uh, looking forward to just, Hey, looking forward to seeing the journey for you guys in the future. And, uh, man, I, I'm excited for you doing California untamed. I'm, I'm, I'm a little jealous, you know, to be honest, but, <laughs> but I will just know that, uh, we'll be, there'll be a bunch of people from Oklahoma following you along. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Thank y'all so much. And we'll, we'll, we'll keep in touch. Great. Thank you. Bye.